This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. In today's episode, I'm going to be going over one of my favorite jazz ballads of all time, doing a little deep dive into the harmony, and hopefully you're going to come away with some amazing lessons that you can learn about jazz and other jazz standards, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So grab your favorite beverage, grab some popcorn, whatever you like to eat when you're listening to podcasts, and let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. What's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. We want musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. So glad to have you here, my friends, to learn a little bit about jazz, how we can play this music, uh, the joy of playing this music, how much fun we can have by kind of nerding out about it and geeking out about it, which is exactly what we're going to do today's episode. We're talking about ballads. We're talking about a jazz ballad specifically. Now, jazz ballads, you definitely want to have a good handful of these in your repertoire for well, obviously a number of reasons. A, because it's a good thing to have in your set. If you happen to play some gigs, they're going to be called on jam sessions. And let's face it, ballads are just an important part of the style of jazz. Really, really, really important and absolutely beautiful. So I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite jazz ballads today. And it's top of mind for me right now because we actually just started studying it April 2022 in our Inner Circle membership in our Jazz Standards Club where we learn a new jazz standard every single month. Um, and so been doing a lot of research on it, been doing a lot of just exploring it. Um, and if you're one of our inner circle members, I know a lot of you listen to the podcast, definitely check out the uh, training video for this, for this particular, uh, jazz standard in the membership because, uh, Brett Pontecorvo, our music production manager definitely goes, um, deep into it and all the resources as well. But this is good. This is, I just wanted to share this with everybody listening to the podcast because I just absolutely really enjoy this jazz standard and I think there's a lot we can learn about it. So I'm going to go ahead and play it for you. I'll tell you what it is in case you don't recognize it after I'm done playing it. And then we'll kind of dive into the harmony a little bit and see what we can find and we'll see what we can learn. So much value in exploring harmony of jazz standards um, because it can really, uh, every single time, really translate to other ones. So let me go ahead and play it for you. Thank you. 
Darn That Dream. That's by Jimmy Van Heusen. Love this tune, right? Uh, hopefully you guessed it before I finished playing it, but Darn That Dream by Jimmy Van Heusen. Such a really great uh, jazz ballad. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. Hope you found it um, beautiful to listen to. And, you know, one of the things I love so much about this particular jazz standard is that melody, right? So it's... Right? So we have this sort of motific movement. It's... Right, that's the first melodic movement. And then we have, right? Right, so it's this sort of melodic movement that it, it's going up in pitch, it's repeating patterns, right? That's the first pattern. Second pattern. Right, such a beautiful melody. So the first and foremost thing, and to me the most enjoyable thing about playing ballads is the melody and the fact that when we're actually improvising, you can play very melodically. You don't have to play complicated things, right? Melody is key and most important, especially when it comes to a ballad. But let's take a listen, uh, a look really, a look more like a hear of what the actual chord changes are. So the first chord changes we'll go over is... Right? That's what we're going to go over first. So the first chord is G major 7. So this is the one chord. This is our parent key center. And the chords go by really fast. But again, remember that this is a ballad. It, it goes pretty slow. So it might seem complicated, but you have plenty of time, especially when improvising, to think about what you're actually playing. So we have a nice G major 7 to a B flat minor 7, E flat 7. Okay, now that's kind of weird, right? Because if you know anything about music theory and jazz harmony, then a B flat minor 7 and E flat 7 is not in the key. But whenever we're analyzing harmony and jazz standards, we always want to think what is the chord that comes before it and what is the chord that comes after it. So the important one to consider is the chord that comes after it. We have G major 7 again, B flat minor 7, E flat 7 to A minor 7. Okay. So A minor 7, that is in the key of G major. That's the 2 chord, right? If we go through the diatonic series, we have you know, G major 7, A minor 7. Then we have B minor 7. We have C uh, major 7, right? D7, so on and so forth, right? Until we get through the whole diatonic series. So we basically are using this B flat minor 7, E flat 7 to connect to the 2 chord. That's the A minor 7. We call this a sidestep 2-5. Sidestep 2-5 happens all the time. And again, B-flat minor 7, E-flat 7, because it's kind of like a 2-5 of the flat 2. It'd be like a 2-5 of A-flat major, but we're not going there. It's a deceptive cadence, if you will, called a sidestep 2-5 because we're basically taking like a quick little detour to get to that A minor 7, the 2 chord. So, sidestep 2-5... 
A minor 7. Okay, now we get to a B7. Okay, B7. Now, again, B7, if you know anything about music theory, and if you don't, that's okay. Just keep listening. B7 is not in the key of G major 7. So, again, we have to think to ourselves, what's the chord that comes before it? What's the chord that comes after? So, the chord that comes before it is the A minor 7, right? So, we know that B and A, that's a whole step away. So, we had G to A to B7. And, by the way, the melody note is actually the sharp 11 the B minor of the B7, right? So it's actually a B7 sharp 11 in the melody. But again, the important chord is what comes after it. So the chord that comes after B7 is E minor 7. So we have E minor 7. Now, again, if you know anything about music theory, you know that B7 is the 5 chord to E minor 7, right? So it's basically we're playing this 5 to 1 relationship to the E minor 7. Now, again, what is E minor 7? Well, E minor 7, the context of G major, is the 6 chord. So this is what we call a 5 of 6. We also call this, in music theory, a secondary dominant. A secondary dominant is a dominant 7th chord that is tonicizing, meaning making that chord sound like a new tonal center. It's tonicizing another chord that is within the diatonic parent key center. Again, E minor 7 is the 6th chord. It's in the diatonic key center of G major. So the first two bars basically is G major 7, 1 chord, sidestep 2, 5, B flat minor 7, E flat 7, to A minor 7, that's our 2 chord, to B7, that's acting as the 5 chord going to our E minor 7, the 6th chord. Now, then we have this cool little bass walk down thing. We basically have E minor 7 for one bar, but it goes E minor 7, E minor 7 over D, E minor 7 over C sharp to a C minor 6, right? Before we get to our B minor 7 flat 5, E7, which goes to an A minor 7. So B minor 7 flat 5, E7. That's a 2, 5 of 2, right? Because A minor 7 is in the key of G. So the melody again is... That's the sidestep. Now we have our E minor 7. And so the E minor 7 and its walkdowns, and the, even the C minor 6, that's really all there for this descending baseline movement going to the B minor 7, the... Now we're at the A minor 7, okay? So, cool walk-down stuff that happens. When you're improvising over this, you really don't have to worry about the walk-downs. You're more thinking like E minor 7. Right, and then to the B minor 7. Right, to the A minor 7. You're worried about that 2, 5 to, uh, oops, 2, 5 to the A minor 7. Now, more interesting stuff's about to happen here in this tune, right? It's not it's not the most simple harmonically harmonic tune. There's a little bit of harmonic complexity in it, but I'm here to help you understand it better. Then we have this A minor 7. Right, that's the part of the melody. And the A minor 7 goes to this F7. Okay, so we have the 2 chord going to this F7. And again, F7 
isn't really in the key of G major, right? But what it actually is, it's like a flat seven is what you could call it. But really what it's called is a, a backdoor dominant, okay? A backdoor dominant. Now, a backdoor dominant, you can really just think, without getting into the full complexity of what is a backdoor dominant, a backdoor dominant is a chord that would resolve to a one chord. So think about it as the the G major seven. We're trying to resolve this F seven to the G major seven. Well, the F seven is a whole step down, right? F to G, G to F. They're a whole step away from each other. So when you have a dominant seventh chord, a whole step below a chord you're trying to resolve to, such as the one chord, the G major seven, that's called a de backdoor dominant. So F7 to G major seven, right? You can kind of hear it actually sounds like a resolution. One more time, I'll play that. So F7 to G major seven, right? Right, you can hear that resolution pretty nicely. It sounds really good too. And the reason that is because there's actually some shared altered tones with that backdoor dominant and the actual five chord. What's the actual five chord of G major? Oh, it's D, right? D to G major seven. That's why it's so important that you understand Roman numeral analysis and you know what they are in different keys. Like honestly, if you can master that. Um, all this jazz standard stuff becomes a lot easier. So if I were you and you're feeling a little bit confused right now because of the Roman numerals, because of the different keys I'm talking about, really focus a lot of your effort on mastering this and go to a more simple jazz standard like Autumn Leaves. Really master, hey, what are the Roman numerals of this chord, uh, of this song form, and what what would they be in a different key, right? If you can master that, woo, man, jazz standards gets so much easier. So it could be a hurdle, a little uh, hill to get over top of, but once you do, well, man, the doors just opened up. Okay, so I digress though. Let's keep going. So, so far, sidestep two, five, right? Five of six, E minor seven, that's the six. Now two, five of two. A minor 7. Now we're at the F7, the backdoor dominant. To a B minor 7, that's the 3 chord, right? 3 chord in G major. And then we do a B flat diminished 7. That's a flat 3 diminished. We call this a passing diminished because, again, remember we're analyzing jazz standards. What chord comes before it? What chord comes after it? The chord comes before it is a B minor 7 to a B flat diminished 7th to an A minor 7. Now we're doing a 2 five of G major. So the B flat diminished is really this connecting diminished chord to go between the two. Then we do a three, six, two, five, one. Why? Because this is an AABA form, okay? AABA is just a fancy way of um, sort of breaking up a, a tune. And there's a lot of jazz standards that are AABA. So A's meaning they are similar in harmony, almost identical, actually. Um, but when we're trying to get back to the next day, a turnaround such as a three, six, two, five is great, right? So we want to do that. So we had the the two to the flat seven, backdoor diamond, three, passing diminished, two, five, three, six, two, five. 
one. Okay, now we're back again at the top, and the melody's the same. Okay, the only difference there, and I just sort of played it, is after we get to that B-flat diminished passing diminished, we have a two, five, one. No turnaround, right? Because this is the second A section, so we're resolving it, okay? So that is, honestly, we're, we're actually, you know, this might seem like an overwhelming tune, but essentially we have just conquered the vast majority of this tune by learning the first A section, because again, it's an A, A, B, A form. There's little difference between those A sections. So oftentimes when we look at a more complicated jazz standard, such as Darn That Dream, and we look at maybe the chord chart or the sheet music, um, or even just listen to it, we can feel very overwhelmed by it. It just looks like a lot of um, a lot of chords, um, especially a tune like this, where like sometimes you have... Well, you definitely have chords switching every two bars, sometimes every single beat of a measure. Again, this is a ballad, so you play this slowly. You have to keep that in mind, but it can still seem overwhelming. Well, when you break down um, this into these uh, these eight-bar segments, right? The, the A section is only eight bars. You have essentially memorized 75% of the tune just by learning these eight bars, even though it's a 32 bar form. So that's kind of a beautiful thing. And all you had to remember is that the difference between the first A section and the second A section was we just resolved to a two, five, one, right? Instead of a two, five, three, six, two, five to turn around, right? Okay, so we got that, we got that. I just wanted to really point that out for you because, you know, again, can seem overwhelming to memorize these jazz standards, especially ones with lots of chords. But when you realize that eight bars gets you 75% of the way there, beautiful. Okay, so now we go to the B section, right? A, A, B is where we're at right now. And this is where we actually change keys completely. So we went, we, we left off at right, two, five, one. Then we go. We are in the key of E flat major, E flat major. So what we do is the last two beats of that A section, we go F minor seven, B flat seven, E flat major seven. So that's a two, F minor seven to the two, B flat seven to the five, E flat major seven is the one. So two, five, one. Now we're in the B section. Okay, so that's the melody. We have E flat major seven, two, C minor seven. That's the sixth chord. Then two, five. Okay, very, very common jazz harmony. So one, six, two, five. Then instead of going to one, we go to a three. That's the G minor seven. Then a C7 alt, that's a dominant sixth chord, very common. It's a secondary dominant going to the two chord, the F minor seven, B flat seven. So the first bar, the first four bars of the B section are E flat major seven, C minor seven, F minor seven, B flat seven. So that's one, six, two, five. And then three, six, two, five. 
Okay, so one six two five three six two five. That's like rhythm changes, right? If you know rhythm changes, um, we did a quick win episode, or we are doing a quick win episode this upcoming Friday about. Um, oh, I'm sorry, we just came out with the quick win episode about rhythm changes last Friday. So check that one out if uh, you want to. And also, by the way, all of our quick win episodes are on YouTube as well, so you can always find um, those on YouTube. Okay, so one, six, two, five, and then that's the three, six, two, five, one. Now we're back at one, and it goes, repeats that line of the melody. That's the one chord to the six. And then we have something changing a bit in the harmony. So this is really the difficult part to memorize, but it's C minor seven. Then it goes A minor seven flat five to a D seven to a G minor seven. Okay, so this is a minor two five of G minor, right? A minor two five of G minor. Now remember the the the, the main parent key of the tune is G major. So sometimes what we do, um, again, this is music theory jargon, but we call this modal interchange, where essentially instead of having the major parent key, now we have a minor parent key. So it's instead of G major, it's G minor. But we're only here very briefly. So it's A minor seven, D seven, G minor seven, right? So minor two, five of three, two, a minor seven, okay, A minor seven is the two, and then D seven is the five of G major, so we're back to G major again. And then we do a sidestep. B flat minor seven, E flat seven, A minor seven, D seven. So sidestep two five, back to G major seven, which is the last A section. Okay, so just to review what the B section is really quickly for those who may have gotten a little lost, we got there by going two, five. Now we're in E flat major. So it's one, six, two, five, three, six, two, five, one, six, two, five, a one of G minor, okay? That's that modal interchange I was talking about. To A minor seven, D seven, two five of G major, sidestep two five, B flat minor seven, E flat seven, two five to turn around back to the top of the last A section, right? And then we're back to Basically, are just doing the second A because we're going one. Or we're going two, five, one. Okay, and that's how you end the tune. So, again, the big takeaways I'd like to present to you are again, when there's a complicated jazz standard like this, realize that if you're doing an A A B A form, you've learned seventy five percent of the tune when you learn just those eight bars of the first A section, right? And then. A lot of cool harmonic things going on here. Sidestep two fives, just another way to make harmonic movement with diatonic harmony that exists within the key center, right? Um, we have lots of sec secondary dominants in here. Remember secondary dominants like the B seven, 
to the E minor seven. It's just tonicizing a different chord within the diatonic series. Just really helpful to know this stuff because again, when we see that B7, we're like, how do I improvise over that? Don't think about B7 stuff to improvise. Like don't think, right? That's all good. But really we're trying to think B7 to E minor seven. So I might do like, I don't know, something like that. I'm trying to think about a, I'm trying to think of some kind of resolution to the E minor seven, right? Not just B seven, but a resolution. And so when you understand the harmonic function of something like that, um, it just, it helps you make decisions, right? Decisions about what you can play or how you can practice playing this. Cause a lot of this does require practice. Um, okay. So that is darn that dream by Jimmy Van Heusen, one of my favorite jazz ballads of all time to play. All right, that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Do appreciate you. Always do appreciate you. By the way, like I said uh, at the beginning of the show, we are actually studying Darn That Dream in our Inner Circle membership right now. One aspect of our membership is we do a monthly jazz standard study called the Jazz Standards Club. Um, it's one of the most popular parts of the membership where we learn that new jazz standard. So we have a training video, like I mentioned. Uh, we have a chords analysis. It's color-coded. Um, we have... Um, chord tone maps, guide tone maps, approach tone maps. We have common guitar and piano voicings, and we have an etude that's custom composed just for the Inner Circle members. And then the fun part is there's a active community of you know lots of other jazz musicians in the membership who are posting their recordings, who are commenting on the recordings, and showing that they're actually doing the stuff. So it's a lot of fun, and it's a great goal just to learn a new jazz standard every single month. So if you've been hearing me talk about the Inner Circle for quite some time, but just still haven't made the leap, um, then I highly recommend checking out. So you can go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com. And uh, that will uh, get you get you on with us. So let's learn Darn That Dream together. All right, my friends, we're going to be coming up with another great quick win episode of the podcast this upcoming Friday. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Appreciate you, and we'll see you back then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.